This episode is brought to you by Hulu, presenting Legacy, the true story of the L.A. Lakers. From the backboard to the front office, Legacy captures the remarkable rise and unprecedented success of one of the most iconic franchises in professional sports. Featuring new revealing interviews from players, coaches, and execs, this 10-part documentary series chronicles this extraordinary story from the inside. Watch Legacy, the true story of the L.A. Lakers now, only on Hulu. What up, what up, what up, though? Ball Hawk Show. What up, what up, what up, though? Ball Hawk Show. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. Break If you know, you know. One stop like a Walmart. We got the tennis balls for the wrong sport. If you know, you know. If you know about the carport, the trap door supposed to be awkward. If you know, you know. That's the reason we ball for. Circle round twice for the encore. If you know, you know. What up, what up, what up, what up, what up, what up, do? Welcome to the Ball Hawk Show podcast. I'm your host, Ahmad Hawkins. And I appreciate you tuning in for. The latest episode of the Ball Hawk Show, in which we will discuss the Cavaliers versus ODU, a preview as they um, play them this Saturday night at Scott Stadium, 7 p.m., Saturday the 21st. Uh, ODU comes in one and one. They had a bye week last week, so they got two weeks to prepare for the Wahoos. And as you know, the Wahoos defeated Florida State um, in an epic classic fashion, getting another stop on the goal line. So the Wahoos are now ranked number 21 in the country, are 3-0 and 2-0 in the ACC. This is a game that um, a lot of folks are saying is a trap game just because of the emotions and um, how important it was to beat a team like Florida State. Even though we were the ranked team, even though we were the favorites, uh, it's still Florida State. That brand still carries a lot of weight. And the way in which we won, stopping them on the goal line, reminiscent of 1995 and seeing the fans storm the field and a lot of folks that don't understand our culture didn't understand why a ranked team rushed the field versus an unranked team. But when you know over the years Florida State been taking you to the woodshed and this is the only the fourth time we beat Florida State and the way in which we did it and we understand why our program is trying to get to, I had no issue with the storming of the field. So before we get started in this episode, with the analysis, uh, got to thank the sponsors, Able Insurance. Appreciate Able Insurance for being the original sponsor of the Ball Hawk Show for over the years. They've always been at the forefront of just repping the Ball Hawk brand, and they also are proud sponsors of the walkthrough. If you haven't seen the walkthrough, go to AhmadHawkins.com. Not only will you get the recent episode, but you will always get behind-the-scenes footage for each walkthrough that we've done this year so go to amahawkins.com for the walkthrough plus bonus footage also Connor Murray Realtor Connor Murray Realtor has been with the Ball Hawk for five months now great sponsor if you're looking for a home you're looking to invest you're just looking for some property that's nice holler at my man Connor Murray Realtor on Facebook follow him send him a DM if you have Instagram search Connor Murray Real Estate He'll definitely take care of you and tell him the ball hawk sent you. And also, crowcookies.com. Go to crowcookies.com. Losing never tasted so good. Go to crowcookies.com 
It's the new wave of betting and making somebody literally eat crow cookies, that is. So let's jump into ODU, give you the tale of the tape of the two teams coming into this class. The first time these two teams have met in football. Uh, when you look at the team comparisons, we talked about UVA being 3-0 and ODU being 1-1. One one. Scoring offense comparison, UVA is averaging 37.7 points a game while ODU is averaging 20.5 points a game. Their two games this year was versus Norfolk State and Virginia Tech. Uh, rushing offense, UVA is averaging 155 rushing yards a game. ODU is averaging 168 yards rushing a game. UVA is averaging 257 yards passing a game. ODU is averaging 140 passing yards a game. So with those numbers, it lets you know that you, uh, ODU is balanced, but they're more run heavy. And when you look at their offense, and once I get into the analysis, you'll kind of understand why the, the, the stats are the way they are. Pass efficiency, UVA is 132.97. ODU pass efficiency is just 97.26. Total offense, ODU averages 308 yards a game, while UVA averages 412 yards a game. Time of possession, this is definitely going to be a battle. UVA averages 36 minutes and 53 seconds. Time of possession, a game, while ODU averages 32 minutes and 17 seconds. Flip to the defensive side. UVA is yielding just 18 points a game. ODU is giving up 26 points a game. Rush defense, UVA has been very good in the rush department, only giving up 78.7 rushing yards a game. Uh, rush defense for ODU is, is fairly good as well. They're just giving up 100 yards flat per game. Pass defense, ODU is giving up 235.5 passing yards a game in two games. UVA in three games, giving up 183 yards a game. Pass efficiency defense, UVA is at 111, while ODU is at 146. Total defense, ODU was giving up 335 yards a game, while UVA is giving up 261 yards a game. UVA is averaging four and a half, or well, 4.67 sacks a game. ODU is averaging one and a half sack a game. UVA is averaging 9.3 Tackle for losses, ODU is averaging seven. So, as you can see, just looking at ODU, for anybody that hasn't had an opportunity to watch them when they played Tech two weeks ago or didn't wasn't in the 757 to see them play Norfolk State, just watching them on film, the one thing that jumped out to me offensively about ODU is that they have a lot of team speed and they want to hit the edges. They want to get outside. They run jet sweeps a lot. It's like they have a jet sweep back. And then they have a back that goes downhill. Keyshawn Strong is a guy they line up in the backfield in the slot. He moves around. He's a speedster. He return kicks also. Number 12, Lala Davis, who went to Heritage High School up in the Richmond area, uh, close to Richmond. Here's a guy that can run downhill, one cut and go, has the breakaway speed to finish runs. He's the bigger of the two. He's 205 pounds, while Keyshawn Strong is 197. And then their quarterback, Stone Smart is a junior college transfer, 6'4", 220 pounds. A bigger kid, not really, a, not really a burner, but is very elusive, is strong, can get you the tough yards, and he's a, a, a dual-threat guy. You have to account for him in the running game because he will keep the ball. They will run some speed option with him, 
and they run a lot of misdirection at ODU with a lot of guards pulling, um, open up cut natural cutback lanes for the running back. So the one thing about ODU is you can't let them outflank you. Watching the Virginia Tech film, Virginia Tech starting at wide tackle six. They was getting outflanked. ODU was hitting the sidelines and, and getting chunk yards. Virginia Tech made adjustments where they brung down their safeties, bumped out a backer. Basically, it looked like our defense in a sense of they made sure they had a guy wide as up the wider. So when you ran a jet sweep, you funneled it right back into your scraping linebacker. And once they started doing that, they deaded anything ODU tried to do. And once ODU was forced to pass the football, it wasn't the same. They operate off the running game. If you could take away the running game, you probably take away 70% of their playbook, in my opinion. Now, don't get me wrong. The running game can still come into play with their quarterback making plays with his legs, spreading you out. They will go four wides, and he will have designed quarterback draws. So the one good thing that fans should understand that can give them some ease is that our defense is going up against Bryce Perkins every day. You got R.J., also being a demo for their quarterback. So he's not going to be as tall as ODU's quarterback, but he will be that much faster and quicker. So that will help with our ability to come to balance and really take away the strength of what they're trying to do. Um, As far as receivers, they have Kuma, who was at Virginia Tech, and he transferred. Um, They got another individual also that's from Virginia Tech. I just forgot who it was. It'll come to me. But um Kuma is a, is a big is a big bigger receiver, has good hands, um runs solid routes, not a true fast twitch guy, but he's a 50-50 ball receiver. So, you know, we got to be on the lookout for him because they will just throw it up to him. He has 89 yards on the season, uh 31 yard long. Uh talked about Keyshawn Strong. He he's tied as far as receptions. He has seven receptions for 33 yards coming out of the backfield. So, I mean, as you can see, if if we go through Stone Smart, he's only attempted, well, I I guess that's pretty good, 53 passes in two games. Uh, That's basically 26 passes a game. So, you know, they want to keep him between, you know, 25, 26 and under. So, if like I said, if you can make him attempt 30 or more passes, I feel like because what I've seen, he has like a hybrid type of Phillip Rivers type of release, almost like he's shot putting it out there. So I don't know how much velocity is really on the football from the film, but it looks like guys could get a bead on him as far as coming downhill out of their break. So if our DBs can just read the pattern of receivers and really put their plant leg in the ground and really drive towards the receiver before looking back, they can make plays on on um stop routes and an outside cut. So um, that's what I see with ODU offensively. Now, defensively is is the kicker. So defensively, they run a hybrid type defense. You know, you, you, you may think it's a 4-2-5. It may look like a 3-4. It may look like a 3-3-5. But basically, ODU is going to have five defensive backs in the game at all times. Two linebackers in the traditional linebacker spot. They got three traditional defensive linemen, but they have a bandit defensive player and he can either line up at defensive end he can line up at outside backer so sometimes you get the four two five look like you will see with our speed group like we show versus a miami georgia tech and 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 virginia tech or you could get a true three four look 
because you know they'll bring an extra back in and sub one of the defense out defensive ends out with their bandit or they give you a straight three three and most of the time I feel like they're in a straight three three five look in a sense because they only have really three true D linemen. Um, Juwan Ross, who's a D tackle, and, and Jeremy Miser are the two D tackles that's going to be in the game at all times. But their bandit guy, Marcus Haynes, is 6'4", 210. I'm going to say this again. He's 6'4", 210 pounds. He's basically a strong safety slash outside linebacker. All right? And then if I could find their other D in. I thought I had him circled. Uh, hmm. Got D in, D tackle D one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay, so yeah, it's basically I was right. Basically, like a three, three, five because they have on on at least this chart that I have two D tackles as a starter, Marcus Haynes as a D in. So basically, yeah, it's a three, three. It's a wait a minute. How they got him listed is all janky. Anyway, oh, no, no, Keon White. There we go. That's the other DN. He's 6'4", 267. So if you see the difference right there, Keon White, 6'4", 267, number six. You got Juwan Ross and Miser as the D tackles. And then you got Haynes as a 6'4", 210. And this defensive coordinator that they have um, came from East Carolina, uh, Bennett had a couple other stops. He is known for reviving defenses. And he is known for this bandit position. You know, it's like a big audition. And anybody that's been the bandit guy um, has been like the defensive player of the year in his respective leagues. So um, that's why de- to me their defense is, is where they feel like they're going to win games just because of their defensive coordinator. And what's his name? Blackwell? Yeah, David Blackwell. Um, he, he had stops at East Carolina, um, and his last stop, the guy he had that bandit, like I said, was the defensive player of the year. The school he had, he was at before East Carolina. The bandit guy was the defensive player of the year. So he feels like whoever he puts at, at bandit is his most lethal player on defense. So they feel like Marcus Haynes can do a lot. He rushes the passer a lot. He would buzz and coverage. He's, he's never really playing man. But it's like a wide nine technique. If you guys remember the Eagles from a couple years ago when they won the Super Bowl and they made the wide nine technique prevalent, meaning they line out super wide. They're trying to entrap you and keep you in the box. They don't want to be outflanked. They want to force you to their two backers. And in coverage, majority of the time, their two backers are just playing zone. They're just, they're just playing coverage. I looked at the Norfolk State film a lot because Norfolk State quarterback, it was very mobile like Bryce. And just viewing that game, they bring pressure with four, and the two middle backers kind of clamp. They kind of step towards the line of scrimmage. And then sometimes they'll trigger that extra nickel back, um, and then they may buzz out the bandit. Uh, what they do on defense that I think is very creative is that in a boundary they will play some type of short zone and would show the corner in, in the boundary can kind of see stuff coming from the field and cheat. And I feel like it goes against the philosophy of most offenses. Most offenses love to drag for some reason – from the field to the boundary, you know, because you want to run away and get to the short side of the field. What I've been liking about coaching now, anytime we run a mess route, it's coming from the boundary to the field. So if they're going to play short zone to the boundary, and if you notice a cease versus Pittsburgh, 
Hasis versus um, Florida State as well. We come in tight and we run a mess route and we come right underneath the backers. And if the backers don't press up, we allow them to get to the tackle and we throw it to the receiver so he can come out the back end. And what you do is you have some type of deep route combination and it almost turns into a shield. Because when the DB is in man and they're checking the receiver or if they're playing some type of soft cover four zone, the receiver is in the path of the defensive back. So when the mess route comes underneath the two receivers to the field and the corner see it and they stop their feet, the receivers know to start blocking now. We used to call that a shield route. It was like you were just running straight down the field, making it look like you was running a go route, and you never looked back. You just looked at the DB, and once he sank, sank his hips to rally to the ball – you stopped your feet and started the stalk block. So if they're going to run that combination coverage on the back end, I feel like we could definitely have an advantage for the simple fact is this. Anytime that bandit drops in the coverage, he's zoning. So he's going wide, curl flat. The linebackers, if they see a mess guy, they're going to get their eyes on him and they're going to buck him. They're going to come up. So if we could run a mess route from the boundary, three. so we go three, three receiver Three wide with a tight end to the boundary. And you get a mess route coming under. You send the tight end straight up on on a on a seam route, right? But you have your slot guy, whether it's Joe Reed, whether it's uh, TK, anybody, Chapman. Sometimes we run straight up at the seam also. So you have mirror seams and then you have that mess route coming from the backside. Or once they start to show that they may start bucking up and hitting the, the mesh route, what you do is you take that field-size slot receiver and you press him up 10 yards and you just have him just dog the dig, meaning you'll start a speed end cut and then you'll hook up right over the ball. Now you're putting a lot of onus on both safeties because if you send the scene route up, the safety's principle is to say you have to remain on that hash. So if you got a tight end going up the hash, the safety has to stay there. If you run that ball, just a ball hook, meaning you, you go 10 to 12 yards and you hook up right over the ball, that front side safety has to make a decision because now with that route that I talked about, Joe Reed, whoever the slocker run, very outside, if you put a guy like TK or Chapman out there and you run a skinny post, is the safety going to help that field side corner? Because most corners are going to expect post help on the wide side of the field. So you could basically put that field size safety in no man's land, and now you're going to make these linebackers make a decision to adjust. Are you going to just keep backing up because we're sitting down 10 to 12 yards behind you, and now you have Bryce Perkins with the ability to pr- press the line of scrimmage and get seven to eight yards or make you miss? So it's a lot It's a lot. I feel like we can do. Also, we can still go trips to the field, continue to run our smoke screens that we were doing last game, our swing passes as well just for the simple fact we can outflank them. Now, they do have an extra DB to the field, right? And sometimes he will sit in the short zone. But with that being said, if I'm not mistaken, their bandit is actually, and I could pull up the film right now, their bandit I think is actually in the boundary. I want to say he stays in the boundary a lot. But it's just so many ways I feel like Coach and I can scheme up this offense, and of course, we want to make sure we can run the ball as well um, with downhill runs, and it has to be quick hitters. It can't be a lot of movement because they 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 they're pretty quick and they get a lot of penetration in the line of scrimmage. Let me see if I can find their banner. You know, this this is why I do a live show. I mean, I record it, but I'm live. Oh, that's goal line. They didn't have the band. 
So yeah, the bandit is in the boundary because number eight will come in and play some bandit. That's he in the no, he's in the field. So they got him to the field right here. This is just in trips. Oh yeah. So on the film I'm looking at now, they basically Norfolk State has a formation like similar to what we have with three receivers, one tight end, and one running back. And you start off in trips in the boundary and you motion a receiver across the formation to the field. And when we came over, they had their extra defensive back in the boundary and the bandit to the field. But when the bandit rushed, they had the safety playing the slot receiver from basically 12 yards off. So we run a lot of quick smoke and a quick outcuts like speed outs, arrow routes from the slot. Um, that could be just five yards and run. So there's a lot of things we can do offensively, I feel. But, I, you know, it starts up front. And I think we definitely have to establish the running game. Uh, but Coach and I has had a very good game plan. Like the first series of every game has been phenomenal. So if he keeps that up and really make them think, um, I don't. I, I think they're going to play a lot of man because they're going to want to get pressure on Bryce. They're going to have to use their linebackers to spot Bryce. So that's going to force them to play a lot of combo zones and man. Um, to the field, I feel like they got to play man. If they flip and start playing man in the boundary and zone to the field, I feel like we we have enough savvy uh, route combinations in the boundary that will definitely put them in the bind. But it's going to be a tough game starting out because they have that extra week of preparation for UVA. So the first three series, it's probably going to be some things we haven't seen before or some things that they really upgraded on. Like I said, because of the added preparation, anytime you come out of the bye week, your first two or three series should definitely be flawless. And if it's taken away from you, it's a confidence killer. So if we can really force them on a three and out in at least one of the first three drives, if anything's keeping from getting points, you know, they're going to come out with a wrinkle, maybe a trick play here and there. If they come out with a, a, a trick play, just make sure it doesn't generate points. And I think we should be fine. I think we, you know, we really get out on the squad. Um, they're going to continue to fight. I like what I see with them defensively, and I like what I see with them offensively. They have a lot of team speed. They just want to outflank you on offense. And can you make smart be at, you have to make him be accurate, consistently accurate. Corral him in the pocket. He's a guy that keeps his eyes down the field also, so he, he's not like the warm and merry quarterback to where as soon as he tuck it, he's not going to look up. No, this this guy was a junior college All-American. He can throw the football. He just has a funny release, an awkward release, but they've been limiting, limiting them to 25 to 26 passes, and that's even – being down versus Virginia Tech, they would still stand to, true to what they do, and they want to run the football. They feel like they can outflank you, outthink you, and their condition is better than yours. They feel like by the fourth quarter, you'll be done. So it's going to be another chess match. Um, Coach Nick Howard's been doing a great job, and defensively, it remind, like they remind their defense is similar to ours in which we bring in an extra defensive back majority of the game, and – we have our backers playing defensive line and running around. That's the same thing they do. So it's almost going to be like looking in the mirror of this game. It's going, it's going to be a fun game. It's going to be an entertaining game. It's youth night, so hopefully a lot of uh, young people could come out. I know another late start is tough for people coming from out of town. But I definitely appreciate you guys for tuning in. Hopefully I didn't overbore you with the analyticals and the X's and O's. Um, a lot of you say you enjoy it. So I just want to kind of give you guys my foresight of what I think could happen, not saying it will happen, not saying what I say is right, but just if I was coaching I, 
what I would try to do versus that defense. Defensively, I would try to do what I've been doing, just continue to be very educational, like very smart in the way that we rush the passer. Understanding that we can't really try to get up to the upfield shoulder of the quarterback. We got to press the line of scrimmage and make him stay in the pocket. See if he could climb the pocket. What Bryce's been doing better this year is climbing the pocket, meaning stepping up. Um, this this guy wants to really get out in the C gap. He wants to always escape either outside the tackle or between the tackle and the guard. He really slides up the pocket to throw when you keep him in the A gaps. That's when he really tucks it and runs. So if you could kind of dictate that, and that may be a tip that you can use to say, hey, we just keep him in the A gaps and give him a gap. We know once he tuck it there, he's gone. But Bryce will actually slide. He will slide up and reset and let that thing go in the eight gap so it's the ball hawk man appreciate everybody for tuning in make sure you go to amahawkins.com for all the walkthrough and bonus footage and any type of stuff that you see me do my podcast cbs 19 orange and blue report is on my website amahawkins.com it's a contact option there it goes right to my email so if you want to provide any feedback or if you ever want me to discuss certain things with the program just shoot me an email man and i got you we out of here oh Ball hawk. I want the whole world spin my record. Shero, the hoodie styles, check game, stay free records. Ho, show the girl fed the death in a massaging. Bad news, even be massaging. I got a city hip, I be massaging. Pinky rings on my finger, I'm massaging. I got a speedboat concert, cause I massage. I come through about a whole kind of large. I be massaging. I be massaged. I'm coming through with catalytes and massaging. Yeah, I post some constantly massaging. I got GPS, I be massaging. I catch coca fish, cause I'm massaging. I like a macaroni plate, I be massaging. Even oodles and noodles, I be massaging. Put out the ghetto, cause I'm massaging. I got ice around my neck, cause I'm massaging. Or even gold teeth, I'm massaging. Or pinky ring iced out, cause I'm massaging. I got a hundred million dollars, I be massaging. I got ten. I be massaging. I got a thousand dollars. I be massaging. I got twenty-two cent and be massaging. I take a penny and be massaging. I tell shorty girl fat. I be massaging. Your big two. I be massaging. I be massaging. I be massaging. I got a GPS stern with massaging. Whole shit road chain be massaging. I got a Uzi. I be massaging. I got a twelve gauge pump. I massage. I got a hundred thousand. I massage. I ain't broke, I be massaging. I stay paid, I be massaging. I stay late, I be massaging. I hit the poop all night cause I'm massaging. She wanna come through loaded and massage. Whole team, we massage. Bad new party constantly massage. Ain't no joke, I be massaging. Even the bacon and eggs, I be massaging. Huh? Polo shirts, Santo Adidas, I be massaging. I love you, sweetie cake. Spin my record, let me give you the game On how to get rich Take a penny And flip a penny Then 40 billion Uh-huh, why? I be massaging What? Car stern wheel I be massaging The whole, the whole label Of the state free records In the VA oh! We be massaging Let's have a money shot.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.